Hello, and welcome to episode 48 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Today, Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019, is the last day for you to sign up for the Modern Manager community on Patreon and be eligible for the private one-on-one coaching call with prior guest Amy Bourne of episode 44. If you have not listened to episode 44 with Amy, you should definitely check it out because she is amazing. And I promise you, you do not want to miss out on this chance to have a one-on-one private call with her. So sign up today because tomorrow I am going to pick one person at random and you do not want to be kicking yourself that you didn't put your name in the ring. Go to patreon.com slash modernmanager right now to sign up. That link is in the show notes and is in your email if you're on my newsletter. Oh yeah, and when you sign up on Patreon, you also get access to all the prior guest bonus content and episode guides. So get your name in the ring and get access to all that great stuff. Okay. Today's guest is Rob Schallenberger. Rob is one of the world's leading authorities on leadership, planning, and execution. He is the CEO of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership and has spoken to and trained more than 200 organizations around the world. Rob and I talk about what he's learned from investigating leaders of a variety of backgrounds. We get into a few of the critical approaches or practices that consistently make great managers, specifically on setting and communicating vision, and then how to translate that into action so you and your team can do what matters. Now here's our conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rob. I am really excited to talk to you, especially because we had some technical difficulties last time. I'm fingers crossed, hoping we'll actually get to have a good conversation now. Well, thank you, Mamie, for having me on the podcast. And really thanks to all our listeners for making the time to listen to this. And the hope is that this will be worth hopefully every minute of it and that we might get one or two golden nuggets can really help us in our lives. So again, thank you for listening and thank you, Mamie, for doing this. Absolutely. So to kick us off, you've identified 12 principles of highly effective leaders, and you wrote about those in your book, Becoming Your Best. I wish we had time to get through all of them, but since we probably don't, we only have, you know, about 30 minutes. Can you start just by sharing one principle that you particularly think is important for effective managers? Yeah. And do you mind maybe if I just take 30 seconds to a minute and give a little bit of background on those 12 principles just to put them in the right context? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because that's kind of important as we talk about, you know, managers as a title and as a whole. What we really wanted to find out, and I say we because my dad and I started this company together about seven years ago. I flew F-16s for 11 years. He started a few different businesses. And combined, there's decades of research. And the question that we wanted to answer is, what sets apart great leaders and high performers from everyone else? Because our theory, you know, a couple of decades ago was that there is a common denominator of success amongst the very best in the world. And I mean, we can relate. If you have a sales team, isn't it true that there's always one or two people that just are your go-to sales folks? I mean, they're just, they just kill it, far surpassing on average the rest of the team. And then same thing with a coach. I mean, you could take a coach of an NCAA football team and put them in a different team. And within five years, that team rises to become a top 20 team. What is it that they do differently? to create the strategy, the culture, to bring out the best that exists in their team, to do what others would say is even impossible sometimes. And this is the baseline, maybe for the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, 
is that these are the 12 common denominators of success that you see amongst the very best every time. And we built a training program around that. We've been around the world and trained more than 200 organizations and seen the power that they've had. And, and then I'll get into the, the principle that you asked about. The, but the results are staggering. When we apply these to our lives, they have a huge impact on our relationships, on our leadership ability. They affect our personal life, our health, and our happiness. And so these 12 principles really transcend culture. They transcend time. And not only do they make a big difference on the team, but just as I was alluding to, they have a big impact in our personal life. And so I hope that was a helpful, just very brief background on what those are to put them in the right context. Was that helpful, Mamie? Oh, yes. Thank you for, for setting that groundwork because I, I'm always just like, let's get in. Let's get to the good stuff. Give me the answers. But uh, having that background is really helpful. And I think you know, as we get into some of the various principles, it'll be interesting to see how those appear in all of these different contexts that you're referring to, kind of both from where they came from and also from the experiences you've had with clients and how they're being applied in a variety of settings with a variety of leaders. Yeah. And that's here's two brief examples before we get into these. Uh, the just hopefully to wet the whistle. <laughs> you know, we had a chance to meet with James Lawrence. We're going to do some work with him partnering. He's known as the Iron Cowboy. He ran 50 Ironman triathlons in 50 consecutive days. Set a world record. That's crazy. Doctors <laughs> told him it was impossible. He would die trying. And he was in our office a few weeks ago, and, and he's looking for someone who can bring a content to help on the back end because he, he has the motivation side. He wants to give his followers something that can really help them sustain momentum and excellence. And he saw these 12 principles and he says, where did you get these? I mean, that's the question he asked us, where did you get these? And we said, you know, these weren't pulled out of thin air. This is decades of research. And he says, this is exactly what allowed me to do what others would say was impossible. The Dallas Cowboys, I had the chance to train their organization, their senior leaders about three years ago. And I was talking with their COO about four months ago. And his comment was the focus on the 12 principles that year helped us have our best year ever financially. And so I just wanted to point out before we get into these, that these are not pulled out of thin air, that these 12 principles are very predictive of success. And on the outside, they may seem simple, yet they are not easy. And there's a big difference between simple and easy. So now let's get into your question. <laughs> and how about if I just center on three of them? Would that be all right? Sure. Go for it. Because the truth is you can't really pick one out of the 12 and say, this one's the most important. It's bringing them all together that creates a chemistry of excellence. So number two... Principle number two of the 12 is to lead with a vision. The most successful leaders have a clear vision that gives their team a direction and not only their team, uh, their personal life. And so we oftentimes would all acknowledge and say, yeah, you know, I agree. Having a vision is important. We don't really think of it though in the personal aspect of our lives. And it's interesting we're using the word manager because a person can have the manager of a title and have no respect from their team and really not even be a leader other than the title that they hold. And from my limited conversations, the intent here is not just holding the title of manager. How do you become a transformational leader, right? I mean, how do we really yes. impact people's lives and bring out the best of them, help them achieve their fullest potential going far beyond the title? And this is what happens when not only do we have a vision for the team, what we can do as leaders is help each one of our team members see and define what their personal vision is. And in a seminar, we'll ask people, raise your hand if you have a written personal vision, and less than 1% of people will raise their hand. And I get it. It's because it takes time and energy. It's not an easy thing to do. I mean, we can all relate to that. But there was a study done by a professor at Yale, and she found that people tend to see themselves in one of three buckets. They're either in a job, they are in a career, or they are in a calling. And if you look at high performers across the board, the very top see what they do as a calling, and some of them in a career. 
Very rarely though, will you ever see anyone who says I'm in a job and they are your high performer. And so the question is, how do you help them develop their personal vision in addition to a team vision? When we're talking about a personal vision, I believe that your personal vision is the seed of your legacy. And just like with the team, if we can't define where are we going, then how can we ever develop a plan to get there? And that's why this is one of the key principles in the beginning is to say, where are we going? And then that allows us to start developing the plan on how to get there. So is that helpful? Maybe just talking about that for a couple of minutes. Yes. And I, I want to draw some connections between what you're talking about and what I see with my clients too, because one of the core pieces of work that I do with the team is creating a team vision statement. And just as you said that very few individuals have a vision statement, even fewer, I think, teams have created a vision statement. So not for the organization, right? Not the, the organization's mission or purpose or vision, but for your team, right? If you're the sales team, what is your team vision? Or if you're the regulatory team or a legal team inside of a company, what's your team vision? And we don't talk about that enough. We all kind of as you say, tout the importance of having vision, but we don't take the time to craft it and get aligned on it. And when you do, it, can, it totally changes the game. That's right. And we make the assumption sometimes that everyone understands the direction that we're going. I mean, when I show up the Cowboys, you would think, well, the Cowboys, they have one. They didn't have a vision in this particular arena, let alone the teams that you're alluding to. And that's exactly right. And so that's why that is the second principle of highly successful leaders. We could talk about this and stories of people who had a vision versus those who didn't for easily an hour. I mean, Paul Kagami, the president of Rwanda, takes a war-torn country. We met with him about three years ago in his office. He takes a war-torn country develops a vision called Rwanda 2020. And their vision is to be a middle-income country on the global stage by 2020. He's had this now for several years. You can ask a taxi cab driver. You can ask hotel staff in random hotels. Everyone in that country knows the vision. And what's amazing is they're now the second fastest growing economy in all of Africa. They're the fifth safest country in the world at night to walk out on the streets. Whereas 20 years ago, there was more than 1.2 million Rwandans slaughtered in a genocide. And this is the power of one leader stepping up with the vision. So it could be a country all the way down to a two-person team and really to our own lives because we're either going to lead our own life by design or we're just going to live day-to-day by default. Oh, so powerful. All right. I, I totally agree. We could keep going on this, I'm sure, for hours, but let's shift to another principle. What's another really powerful one that's important for managers? Okay. I'm going to skip over the one that I still feel is extremely important. That's principle number three, which is to manage with a plan and how do you really effectively develop and and execute a plan. That's just, it would take more time than we have on this podcast. And instead, I'm going to go to the fourth principle, which is prioritize your time. And the reason this is such a big deal, I mean, if we could pull everyone right now listening to this and ask, you know, who would like to be able to spend more time doing what matters most? Almost universally, everyone would raise our hand and say, yes, (laughs) there's things that I would want to do more of that I'm not currently doing. Maybe it's more time with your spouse. Maybe it's more time with a son or a daughter or friends, or maybe it's just more time for yourself, really reconnecting with who you are. We had the president of Key Bank attend our conference three weeks ago, who happens to be a coaching client as well. And that's what his focus was. He said, you know, I'm in my late 50s, and this is about really reconnecting with who I am and what do I want to do with the next 30, 40 years of my life. And so with all of these competing priorities, the question is, how do we do those things? And 68% of people, Mamie, feel like their number one challenge is how to prioritize your time. And in the world that we live in, it's, it's a pretty chaotic world. So many of us feel more like firefighters, where we're just running around putting out fires throughout the day. And in order to be a transformational leader and really an effective manager, 
this is one of the principles that is an absolute that we need to focus on. And that is to prioritize our time so that we can focus on the things that matter most. Because if not, the pull of these things that matter least will always be pulling and drawing us in. And so the question again is, how do you do it? And so we developed a process that we call pre-week planning. And we developed a planner called the Becoming Your Best Planner that helps people do this. And the planner is a tool. You don't need the tool. It does help make it a lot easier, yet you can do it without the tool. And the process of pre-week planning, Mamie, is single-handedly probably the biggest game changer. We've had thousands of people around the world start using this process and say, it changed my life. And I'd even be so bold as to say, I've never had a single person ever come back and say, that process didn't really work for me. <laughs> and I've been doing this for 22 years, and I'll, I'll share a couple of personal stories. And here's how simple this process is. Simple, not easy, because it's a, it's a change in habit for most. And I think most of us can relate. You know, we probably have to-do lists or little yellow sticky notes of things that are important to us. Take whatever we've done up to this point, and let's see if we can enhance it and make it even better. And so what we invite people to do as part of pre-week planning is to sit down on the weekend, typically between Friday afternoon and Sunday evening. Because if we wait till Monday morning for most people, you know, you're kind of in the, it's too yeah, late. You're kind of in the thick of the fire. And so it works best if done on the weekend. It usually takes 20 to 30 minutes. And the whole why behind this is for us as leaders to schedule our priorities rather than prioritizing our schedule. Stephen Covey used to do this example of big rocks and small rocks in the sand. How do you make sure you take care of the big rocks rather than letting the little things in our life dictate what we're going to do and exclude the things that matter most? So envision yourself sitting down on the weekend. The very first step is to look at your vision and your annual goals. That keeps us focused on our direction of what we're doing that matters most that we've thought about like a laser. So very intentional, very laser focused. And then we invite you to consider your different roles that matter most in your life. So example, parent may be a role. Spouse might be a role. Your title as manager or whatever your title is. It might be friend. It might be caretaker. You know, there's a lot of different roles that you could adopt. What are your five to six most important roles? And the most important role is personal or self. And we even subdivide that a little further to say, we've got to take care of ourselves in four categories, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. In other words, heart, mind, body, soul. And as our listeners know, we all know what happens when we hard charge in one area at the expense of another, and it's just not worth it. And it's not necessary. Some would say it is. Some would say it's mutually exclusive. It's not. We can have a dynamic balance of successes across every area of our life as a manager and as a leader. So look at your different roles, and then you're having a mini brainstorm with yourself and identify what you can do that matters most within each role this week. And this is where the rubber really meets the road, because we may have goals and a vision. It doesn't matter if it doesn't translate down to our weekly actions and daily actions. And that's why pre-week planning as a process is so powerful is because this is where the rubber meets the road. And so if a person wants to have better health, if they want to be better connected to their true authentic self, if they feel like they want to be a better leader and really, instead of being transactional, be transformational, show me the actions that are going to happen on the daily and weekly level. And this is where it, it evolves from is pre-week planning. So in each role, what can I do that matters most this week? And do you mind if I just share maybe one or two examples of what that might look like? Please, Rob, please. And I'll use a swath of different things. I'll use one professional and one personal example because a lot of us are really geared. I mean, I know this from having worked with tens of thousands of people in our seminars. A lot of us are very geared and wired to think this way professionally, yet we don't take this to our personal lives. And, and when we do, it's like this huge aha and awakening to say, wait a second, <laughs> this expands almost every area of my life. And so 
in the role of father, I mean, this is how simple it could be. In the role of father, I wrote a note to my daughter about six months ago when I was flying to Indianapolis. And when I did my pre-week planning, it was as simple as write a note to Lana. I put it on her bed and I left and she came home from school and she saw the note. And by that time, I was already in Indianapolis doing the seminar. Well, the next, I guess it was probably like at 10 o'clock that night that I jumped on the plane to fly home. Kids are already asleep. My wife texts me a picture of our headboard. And on our headboard is this nice little note from my 10-year-old daughter, Lana, that says, uh, Dad, thank you so much for the note. It made my day. I love you more than all the jelly beans in the world. Oh, that's amazing. And as you think about this, this started this little exchange of notes. Well, how long did it take to write that initial note? 30 seconds. What was the impact? You know, you, you can't measure that. But it started this exchange. She even went and wrote a note for our son, who's 17, and his response as a teenager, you know, is, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it, and the point is, this is what happens is that when we really consciously think about our week, doing pre-week planning and thinking about our different roles and what matters most, and then assign a time to each of those action items, we become a transformational leader. We were with the executives of Pepsi and one of them in his late fifties, and I'll just use the same role to stick with this theme. Under the theme of father, he wrote, call my son. Now on the outside, that seemed pretty simple. We're like, you know, why the big deal? He said his son was in his late 20s, early 30s, and his response about Florida's, he said, seven years ago, my son and I got into an argument, and we haven't talked since. And I just thought, that's crazy. We asked him, when are you going to do it? Wednesday, 7 o'clock. He said, okay. So six months later, we were back there with the same executive team, and we were so excited to talk with him. We had hoped he made the call, and so we asked him, how did it go? Did you call your son? And his response was, you know what? I was scared to death to make the call, and I think we can relate. You know, you, yeah. who knows if the son's even going to talk with you? He said, but I picked up the phone and I made the call. And it was amazing because as soon as we started talking, we couldn't even remember what we argued about seven years ago. And now we talk every week and we're best friends. And as we went on, he basically said the weight of the world had been lifted off his shoulders, that he woke up every morning with this huge weight on him, regardless of how successful he was in Pepsi. Here was this manager, this leader who had an area of his life that was weighing him down and not allowing him to achieve his fullest potential. And what he would acknowledge later is that that really translated to his team. It actually had a big impact on him as a leader. He was a much more effective leader when he took care of every area of his life. And without a process, it simply wasn't getting done. And I mean, I think we can relate. Whether it's a health goal, a relationship, something professionally, there's all these things that have been floating around in our mind as intentions, right? And Things that we know that we should do, we just haven't translated them to action. And what would happen when those start becoming actions? And this is why you see organizations that can triple their sales, quadruple their sales, you know, grow the valuation by 150%, 200%, because people are doing things that they never did before. They engage at a higher level. And this is the core foundation of leadership is giving them a process that allows them to do it because our teams and us, we will only be as good as our mindset and our skill set. It's really an amazing thing when you are intentional about your time, right? That's basically what they're saying is like, find some time in your week or your over your weekend to be thoughtful and planful and intentional about what actions you're going to take over the next couple of days. And when you sit back and reflect, you realize how many things you've been letting go because you haven't given yourself the mental space to do that reflection. And when you identify those things that are lacking or that the areas that you want to change or invest in and you create action items to help you move forward on them, it's like, trans as you said, transformational things will happen. Yeah. And it's been interesting, maybe to watch this shift 
and I don't think that you'll ever see a full shift back to paper. It's been amazing to watch how many people now are shifting back to paper planners. And I wouldn't have thought that that would have happened necessarily. I would have thought we would continue until basically the paper is gone. But I think part of the reason why you see that happen, and, and there's actually two things, and we have an app that we're releasing shortly. But the point about pre-week planning, Mamie, is that number one, anyone can do it. The process is simple. Developing the habit is not necessarily easy. It takes a, it's a shift in behavior and effort, and we are very geared towards being comfortable. Anything, you know, like a standard deviation, one side or the other outside that comfort zone, we tend to bring ourselves back. And so developing a new behavior is not necessarily easy. What can help in that process and the reason that writing it down is so important and why, like, for example, becoming your best planner, do you need the tool to do it? No, you can do it without it. To hammer a nail into the wall, we could use our hand and get the nail in eventually. It's a lot easier if we have a, you know, a hammer or something to put the nail on the wall. There is something powerful and magical about writing. In fact, we've had two psychologists that said the act of writing will unlock parts of the brain that otherwise would stay dormant. And so typing doesn't do it. That does not unlock parts of the brain like writing does. So what we invite people to do is if you're absolutely set on using an electronic calendar, no problem. That's great. I use a Google Calendar. However, I never substitute in pre-week planning the act of writing my roles and what matters most underneath each role. It's a form of mind mapping to what you're talking about. It's very intentional in each role asking, what can we do this week? And here's the truth, Mamie. This has been interesting. I just crunched the numbers recently on this. My dad and I were talking. And if you look at the average week, if a person sleeps eight hours per day, that leaves them 6,720 minutes per day that they're awake. Pre-week planning takes on average 20 to 40 minutes. That is 0.003% of a person's week. If a person will focus on developing themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritual, so reading 15 minutes a day, some exercise, stretching, yoga, whatever you want to call it. If a person will do that five days a week, just one hour a day for themselves, plus pre-week planning, that equates to 0.05% of the week. So you're telling me that pre-week planning takes 0.003% of the week and will determine what happens the other 99%. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And when we look at it that way, we're saying, who can't make the time to do pre-week planning? And when I saw it in that light and saying less than 1% of your week will determine what happens with the other 99% of your week, it really brought home how powerful pre-week planning can be and how little time it takes to have such a big impact in our lives. Yeah, that is incredible. And I see that the same thing with professional development. When I say, you know, you're in your work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you can't even find time one hour to invest in your own self and your growth in your career and your job and your role like that. It's painful because you know how powerful that small amount of time to plan and be intentional and invest in yourself can really be. So I'm, I'm 100% with you. And, and the other thing I want to give a shout out for is paper because I love technology tools. And I did a, a series of episodes on using a task manager a couple months ago. And I love my digital task tools. I find that they help me so much to stay organized and keep information, but I still use paper too. I love bullet journaling. I have a whole practice around how my, my paper note-taking and task tracking matches and kind of works with my digital tools. Paper is a fantastic, fantastic tool. So I love that you've created this kind of workbook or worksheet practice that allows people to use paper as their tool That for those of us who really like that. Yeah. And- so even if a person is electronically focused, you can still do that. No problem. When I do pre planning, what are the roles? What matters most? And then I take those action items and I move them to my electronic calendar and assign a time to each one. 
So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to leave an electronic calendar. However, the act of writing is, is crucial. And there's one last thing, maybe since we've been talking about pre-week planning, that makes a difference. If people will set a reminder or a trigger for themselves, it'll significantly make a difference as far as ease of changing the habit. So for example, I invite people to set two alarms, one sometime between Friday afternoon and Sunday morning. And in that alarm on your phone, write pre-week planning. That sets the intention reminder for the weekend to say, oh yeah, that's right. I need to do it at some point. The second reminder should happen on your phone Sunday afternoon. And basically when this alarm goes off, it's saying to us, this is our last chance. <laughs> and the reason I say create a trigger is, for example, I, I do a lot of options and stock trading, some things like that on, on the side. I was supposed to check a 233 chart at 1123 Mountain Time every day. I had the right intention. Yet at one o'clock in the afternoon, I'd look at my watch and say, oh, are you kidding? I forgot to check the charts. So it wasn't a matter of intention. It was a matter of I just kept forgetting to do it. And with pre-week planning, that's been what I've seen in a lot of organizations is it's not a matter of intention because people get that. It's just a change in habit patterns and they tend to forget. So if a person will create a trigger, set an alarm on their phone, it really can help bridge that gap so that the intention connects with reality. Reminders are so powerful. And I am, again, I am a huge fan of setting reminders and triggers. And a lot of times I recommend to people that they associate a new behavior with an existing behavior. This is, you know, comes from all of the good habit science that many wonderful researchers have figured out that I just, you know, adopt into my own life. So, you know, if you have a, a nightly ritual, like every Sunday night, you, you know, go, you have dinner with your family, then right before that, that can be your time where you sit down and you take 10 minutes to do your reflection or 30 minutes to do your planning. And then you can go into your family dinner or whatever it is. When you associate things that already exist, it makes it so much easier to remember. So whether you're using the digital kind of set alarm or around around your phone or your calendar, or you're associating it with a, an activity that you know you do every week anyways, those are all good ways to help you get into that new habit and remind yourself so that you don't have to hold on to it in your brain. Because let's be honest, our brains are not, they're not good for remembering things. <laughs> well, and, and that's it. So maybe, I mean, we've talked about two principles, prioritize your time and lead with a vision. And these are only two of the 12. And you could see the impact that just those two focusing on those would have on someone's life and their ability to be a more effective manager, leader in an organization, even in our homes with our family, and especially leading our own lives, being very intentional about our own lives. Some of the others, and we won't cover them, is how to be an effective communicator. There are five steps to become a master listener, for example, and it's becoming a lost skill and art in our society. And for a person to be a truly effective manager, they really need to know how to listen. And we don't really practice that anymore. The more emotionally close we are to someone, the less we practice it. Others are innovate through imagination, you know, knowing how to pivot and learning the art of the pivot. How do we generate new ideas when others would say it can't be done? I love watching Elon Musk constantly do what others say is impossible and can't be done. And this is what we've got to do as managers to stay on the leading edge. So each one of these principles brought together will create a chemistry of excellence. And we invite people that read the book with their teams and then focus on one principle a week with their team for 10 to 15 minutes during their weekly operations meeting, whatever you call that, and figure out how does that principle apply to your team this week and what's one action item that you can do with your team. And that has allowed organizations to use something that's sustainable, powerful, and has transformed the results. That's exactly what the Dallas Cowboys did to help them have their best year ever financially. It's what Panda Express is doing right now and numerous other organizations. So it makes it simple. It's actionable. And it will help any manager be a more transformational leader than they currently are. 
Can I just give a shout out that you talked about doing this with your team? I think it is so important for managers to invite and and bring their team members into that conversation so that it's not just about you as a manager, right? It's, it's very easy to say, I need to be a better manager, but it's really about building the capacity of everyone on your team. And as you're saying, when you do this with your team, when you all read the book together, now you have shared mental models and you have shared practices and shared language that you collectively can work through together. That feels like it takes everything even to a whole new level because now it's not just you who's setting a vision for yourself or your team, but it's actually your team together creating opportunities for all of this kind of good stuff to, to unfold. So amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah. The success of a team is only a reflection of their leader. And if a leader tries to do it alone, it's not going to happen. And that's why there are certain things that leaders and managers can do that are very predictable of successful outcomes. It's just a matter of making the effort to do it and knowing how to do it so that a person doesn't feel like they have to reinvent the wheel. We've done all the research in this particular area. It doesn't have to be reinvented. You know through history that leaders do certain things to get very predictable results with their team. You just hit the nail on the head, Mamie. Awesome. All right. So where can people learn more about you, find your book, all of those good things? Yeah, probably the easiest thing. Our two books are on Amazon, on our website, Becoming Your Best, The 12 Principles of Highly Successful Leaders. I invite you to get one for you and your team members and go through one principle a week and then repeat the process over and over. The second is called the Transformation Challenge, the six steps to planning and execution. How do you really develop and execute the plan? Even easier than those two things, though, is this is free. Anyone can do this. If you'll go to our website, becomingyourbest.com, we've created a very simple 25-question assessment. It will take you about four to five minutes maximum to take. It is very predictive these 25 questions of your long-term success as a leader. Don't be afraid to take this. Use this as an empowering tool because it will show you very specific things that you can do right now as a leader to dramatically increase your effectiveness, both in your personal life and with your team. And you'll get a composite score of where you are today so that you can retake it in six months and see where you've been and where you're at. So that's free. Anyone can do it. Go to becomingyourbest.com and you'll see the assessment on the right-hand side of the page. Simply enter your email. We'll send you the results. And you'll get specific ideas right now in the next four to five minutes of things you can do to be a better leader. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rob. You have been such an inspiring and knowledgeable guest. I really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom and learnings with the audience. Well, thank you, Mamie. And let me just finish with one quote. Is that all right? Absolutely. And, and thank you to all the listeners for taking a few minutes together. I wish we could get to know each other's stories because we all have a story. One of my favorite quotes is this. It says, one ship sails east and another west. By the self-same winds that blow, tis the set of the sail and not the gale that determines the way they'll go. In other words, we all have the same wind at our back. And the question is, how will each one of us choose to set our sails to catch that wind? And the fact that you're on this podcast is a big deal. And I really congratulate you and thank you. And thank you, Mamie, for making the time and taking the time to do this. Oh, what a beautiful note to end on. Thank you, Rob. I wish we could have gotten to all of the principles that Rob learned during his research. If you want to know more, check out the book, Becoming Your Best. And if you are a member of the Modern Managed community, Rob has graciously offered a 30% discount on the Becoming Your Best planner, which is super helpful if you want to follow Rob's suggested pre-week planning process. It's based on the 12 principles and has an integrated step-by-step -step template to help you track your priorities every week and better organize your time. To get the discount, along with other guest bonuses, go to patreon.com slash modernmanager. 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash modern manager. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which you can do so at mamieks.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.